0: Welcome to the Belts, Bumps, and Barbed Wire podcast. This podcast is presented by DMV Wrestling at dmvprowrestling.com. Hey, this is Jeff Quentin, and welcome to episode three of Belts, Bumps, and Barbed Wire. Today's guest is the self proclaimed president of wrestling, Phil Stamper. We'll find out more about Phil and his career in pro wrestling, both in the ring and behind the scenes, and how he got the nickname president of wrestling this episode. Thanks for joining us. start things off, since some of you may not know where that name comes from, we're going to ask Phil to introduce himself briefly and to tell us what his different authority roles are in the different wrestling
1: companies. So, uh, I've been involved in the world of professional wrestling for a very long time now. Um, and the president of wrestling sort of came about because I was really doing a lot of work not just in front of the camera, but also behind the scenes. And in in re- really, in many ways, it was like, I really am running wrestling right now um, because I was working with so many different companies. And that sort of has now progressed to being both in front of camera, helping with things behind the scenes, and now actually helping to run things as an authority figure in front of the camera and behind the scenes as well. And so at MCW Pro Wrestling in Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, um, and Delaware, I'm our general manager at IWA East Coast in West Virginia. I'm our, I'm the commissioner there at Honorary Wrestling Federation up in uh, Pennsylvania. I'm co-owner at High Tension Wrestling. I'm their general manager up in Pennsylvania um, at Wrestling Revolver. I am the executive vice president. Um, so, and, and sort of here and there, because I have that association of being the president of wrestling that I am brought into sometimes this places now to be that authority figure or that just that sensible voice of reason how did you get into wrestling to start i mean of course i was a fan as a kid and so went and knew uh i mean i was that kid that wrote to like wcw and wwe and was like why can't kids wrestle um and learned really early on oh there's things like you have to go to training. So I knew in middle school, okay, training has to be a thing. And when I graduated high school, I was at this crossroad. There really wasn't wrestling anywhere near me. Um, and it was like, well, okay, I'm, I want to go to college. And, you know, cause what happens if I go down the path of wrestling and like something bad happens, I get injured, you know, I have to have something to fall back on. So I, and to go to college, I had to pay for it 100% myself. So I knew I couldn't afford both options. And so I went to college, but I started to work behind the scenes for a couple of, of different companies. And then uh, eventually when I became, I think I was a, uh, a junior in college, um, a friend got hooked up with a new school that had opened up in Baltimore. And I, at that point, I was, all, I was looking for training. I was like, I think I can balance doing both and I started going to a place called the Dominion in Baltimore, uh, ran by a guy named Otto Stark and started my training there. Um, didn't know enough to know that, wow, well, maybe he doesn't know a lot. And so, uh, though I got trained there initially, I went on and took a lot more seminars and never really stopped learning at that point. And so had a time of my career, um, significantly inside of the ring and less behind the scenes. Um, and now that has kind of been turning back a little bit and I'm doing more behind the scenes, um, and as an authority figure, um, and, and some of that happened because more recently I had uh, a uh, significant neck surgery now about four or five years ago. And so uh, kind of, kept to the authority figure or mouthpiece role. And that has also changed a little bit because now time has passed. I've healed. I've gotten better. So I've also been back in the ring again. Um, so it just depends on the place and what happens. But initially just getting in, it was, okay, I'm a, I I want to see if this business is the place I want to be. And then how did I get, and then uh, go on to get trained. I knew I had to get trained. So went on and did that. What were your early influences as far as wrestlers go? So... Uh, I uh, being a kid, I'd, I'd come home and ESPN Classic would have like old episodes of of world class championship wrestling and Global Wrestling Federation, of course, was watching the WWE and WCW at the time. And you know, so I you know, I was the kid who was a fan of like Hulk Hogan and produced mm-hmm. the Barber Beefcake. I was a kid who was a fan of when when WCW became big. I, I focused on WCW more than I did WWE for a while. I was a big fan of Eric Embry and his feud that he had with Skandar Akbar at, at world-class championship wrestling, because it wasn't, it was, it was such an involved story and it wasn't even about a wrestler versus another wrestler here is Skandar Akbar, this, this evil manager uh, of this entire stable of people but the stable of people almost didn't matter because really the feud was between Eric and Skandar. and that was so intriguing for me and enticing for me, and it just I just got hooked on it. And as bad as maybe the the where it went like Sting versus the Black Scorpion, yeah, I mean because just the mystery around it, who is the Black Scorpion? And, and so like I, I kind of was attracted to more of you know, what's happening here? Like, I'm I'm intrigued by what's going on. Um, but of course, always loved when I would watch, like, Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, always loved when I would watch Dean Malenko. Um, so on the technical side of wrestling, like, I was always just amazed. Like, that was what, what really, really, you know, the story got me in, but watching, like, amazing technical wrestling was really what latched me in. Who have you
0: enjoyed working with the most
1: that you work with now? Ooh, right now. Um, Company wise or person wise or or how do you mean?
0: Originally meant personality wise or person wise, but you can say companies as well. But I don't want to get you in
1: trouble with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. It's interesting. You know, like I said, I I, when I got trained to wrestle, I was like, well, I'm going to keep learning, and went out and did seminars, and I, I still feel like now I'm. I keep learning things from, from different people because we all bring sort of a different experience from us. And as much as like Sammy Callahan and I like really want to punch each other in the face, like he's amazing when it comes to like the visual aesthetic of things and does amazing graphic work and and video work. And so like, I see that that sort of visual eye on, on things. And I love it. And then I like, I have a Dan McDevitt that runs MCW. I see a sense of that organization and sort of the business acumen of how, you know, things need to be processed. And I'm like, Oh, this makes sense to me. And, you know, it just keeps adding in into that. And I am I'm even excited by new wrestlers, like wrestlers who are just sort of starting out like, uh, 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 I think of Junie Underwood, I think of Ricky Price, I think of Crash Jackson, and their energy kind of gets me excited and, and and motivates me in many, many respects, because they're I'm seeing where they're gonna go in their trajectory. And it's like, wow, like that's really exciting to see them so jazzed about where they're about to head. And it's like it makes me also wanna work harder to also help benefit them as well as myself.
0: Do you have any memorable feuds that you remember at the independent wrestling level that you, that you think are really, even right now, that you think are really hot feuds or really good feuds?
1: That I'm in or just like generally watching right now? Generally watching. I mean, I guess I guess I do have to be slightly self-serving a little bit. And, you know, my rivalry I do have with Sam McCallaghan and because I'm also with Revolver uh, as the manager of the unit. And the unit is, is on both on the East Coast or in the Midwest and we have, we have, Pockets of association, and you know, it's sort of it's sort of this feud with Sammy Callahan versus the unit uh, right now. People are paying attention to that, people understand it. I'm trying to think larger on the larger on the independence. It's it's funny because, like, I shouldn't say funny, because this person is terrifying. Charles Mason is a disturbing individual, but in all the right ways. And so, like, the feuds he's had with like Billy Starks and uh, Love Doug, even like it was just so intense um, just to like sort of sit back and like, oh, wow. Like, oh, man. I mean, that just that just really like resonates in in my brain. Oh, man. I'm trying to I'm like my brain's like scanning independent wrestling right now. Like, who else is out there right now? Who else is out there? I saw Charles Mason at the Jersey J-Cup recently and yeah, he was pretty creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let I'm. I'm just trying to think. Like, it's so weird because, like, it, it, because I'm in it. Sometimes it's hard for me to like. Okay, let me step back and like look at that perspective and like where are all these different feuds and and I think you know Killian. How about this? Killian McMurphy and the Goon. So you're talking about, like Killian McMurphy and A.K. Willis and Miles Millennium and Big Dust and and we're, and and Eel O'Neill and that crew and the Gooniverse. And it's like wherever they go they bring trouble with them. And so it's sort of like the world of independent wrestling versus Killian McMurphy and the Goons. And I love it. Like it's 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 interesting to watch. And it's like you are literally watching a universe be built in front of you with so many rivalries and so many heads, but that it eaps through different promotions. And that's where my brain kind of went for, mo- for a minute because I was thinking, well, there's not a lot of feuds that sort of go company to company to company. Killian's been able to do that. In the world of wrestling, and even coordinate with some promotions elements of the ongoing story of the Goons, and I'm like, this is amazing—the the time and attention it takes, and even the the feud that's ongoing right now with with Mary and Big Dust, where they were going to get married and then it didn't happen, um, and it was a big joke to by Big Dust that then causes Mary to go insane or more insane, I guess is the case. Maybe it was is just amazing to watch. Um, and, and see all of that sort of uh, transpire. What is your most embarrassing moment in wrestling? <laughs> I, w- I was a couple years in and I hit, like, I, I hit, I hit this moment because when I first started wrestling, um, uh, I was also sort of randomly very sick. And and some people knew it. Some people didn't know it. I had been so sick. I got misdiagnosed with a precancerous condition. And then come to find out I didn't have that condition, but I was still sick. And when I got in wrestling, I was like, I don't know how long I might be able to do this. And so I really didn't have like the greatest of gear at first. And so finally when I went all in, I was like, I'm going to get like real gear and it, like, it's going to look fantastic. I'm going to get boots. I'm, I, I got an entrance jacket. I got all this stuff together. And I was, so it was my first event. I uh, was at, uh, out at this small company up in Northwest Pennsylvania called Madmar and was like, I am on my best game ever. And I run out there, and I slide. I do, like, the Titus O'Neil round, like, but in, instead of, like, going under the ring, I'm, like, running with babyface fire on the outside of the ring, and I round the corner, and I just slide into the Iowa in the crowd. And I'm just, like, sitting there like, well, dang it. It's <laughs> like, this was awesome. I <laughs> just get up and like, hey, everybody. It was such a goofy, and I'm like, ugh. No, not great. <laughs> and I had a
0: question about some recent news that happened within recent weeks. Okay. There, was an annu- there was an announcement recently by WWE that they would be allowing NXT wrestlers to wrestle in select independent companies. I just wonder what you think about the
1: impact of that. Well, I kind of want to see fully what that means because it made it also sound like only select members of the NXT roster. So does that mean like, could Braun Breaker be able to come out? Could Joe Casey return? Like, or are they going to keep like sort of the topper? The topper—that's a grammatically wrong word. Um, will the upper tier echelon of the NXT roster not travel? You know, and where does that break happen? And so, who would it be that would then be able to travel? So, I'm kind of waiting to see how that falls out um, because they haven't been very clear yet who they're going to let out so once they make that decision and once that's announced i'm all in like i think that that'll be cool because you're seeing that with the majority of the impact roster you're seeing that with the majority of the aew roster and so like it just adds to more of that diversity inside of the world of wrestling and and inside of the world of wrestling like the the way fandoms are built over time is really interesting and right now and this is just wholly my perspective of course Kids are going to find their way to an AEW, to a WWE, to an Impact, to an MLW. But those uh, those shows aren't really oriented to grab kids per se. They're really sort of oriented more towards a, a younger adult crowd, and so there isn't like that that way that a middle school kid, uh, as I was when I really got into wrestling, could sort of like latch to easily per se um you know i grew up in the era where there was wrestling on at noon on saturdays and that was sort of my door in to be able to watch as a kid and then okay as i was a teenager it was like oh, i have monday night raw i can watch but it started with me as a kid having that interest and watching it on saturdays to then watch it in the evenings when when you know oh you're old enough to now watch television that late and so me it's like i feel like we're missing a little bit of that generation of younger kids younger kids getting interested and into it from the mainstream programming. So then that puts a lot of that reliance on independent wrestling and those that have like the family followings. Um, Like I think of an MCW pro wrestling, it really is strong about the connections that they build with their community and their families, Honorary Wrestling Federation up in Pennsylvania, uh, Future Great Wrestling out in Ohio, OVW even in in Kentucky, like the way they reach out to the family and get them involved. And so then you're starting to build this base of fans through independent wrestling. And on top of that, and this is something weird that I learned a while ago, that the WWE figured out: the best talkers of the wrestling community is the wrestling community. And so, and, and sort of the way, random way, I figured this out, and this has come back to it in a sense. It'll make, or come, it'll come back in a second and make sense. When WWE did that last season of Tough Enough, and they uh, were trying to recruit people into it. And so, you know, hey, everybody, we want you to apply. And they were getting people to apply. And they, then they were shooting messages out, like, put your stuff out there and, like, get out the word that you're p- going to apply and, like, get people to hype you up. When, and so people were getting these letters from the WWE saying, you know, hype up your content and put your content out there and, like, let everybody see your stuff. They had already selected their cast. Like, I I knew people on that, ro- on that cast. And it's like, well why are they telling people to like hype it up if they've already signed everybody? And it was like, Oh, this is a complete marketing mechanism because they know the wrestling community will talk up the wrestling community. And so independent wrestling will talk highly of that community and look at how active on social media. Um, the attention is across the scope of wrestling, you know, we'll, we'll, Wrestler A that works for this, a smaller company in Pennsylvania that you've probably not really heard of, singularly changed the scope and landscape of professional wrestling as he, is, as he or she is today. Probably not. But if that person is engaged with somebody else who has a bigger following, with somebody else who has a bigger following, with somebody else who has a bigger following, and all of them start talking about it and generating that buzz, you know that's going to get more attention. And, you know, at Wrestling Revolver was very fortunate that we had, you know, Speedball Mike Bailey is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's one of the best wrestlers on Impact Television, which is an international televised wrestling product. And Wrestling Revolver had him to face Kenta. And that got so much buzz and attention out in the wrestling world. And Impact could have been like, no, we don't want Speedball to wrestle anywhere else except for us. They could have done that, but they didn't. And they've been very open to their talent out there. And that has also then helped their talent, because where else can you go see Speedball Mike Bailey? Oh, every Thursday on Impact Wrestling. And so I think this is a great marketing mechanism for their talent as well.
0: I would agree with that, because I would have never seen Speedball except at MCW a few months ago. Right. And getting back to the family thing you had to say, I, I agree with you on that, because... I grew up watching wrestling at 12 noon like you did. Now, my daughter tries to... You've seen my daughter with me at shows, and she she kind of tried to watch WWE and mainstream wrestling, and she got into it for a little while, and then she just lost interest in it. But now she's interested in going to any indie show that we can go to.
1: And that's awesome. Like, and, and, you know, and, and like I sort of said earlier, like I got in because I was hooked by the story and other people. And, and then the, the, where the hook was the story, I stayed there because of the amazing technical wrestling that I was watching. And that really just, it just sunk its teeth, teeth even deeper into, into my psyche. And so like, I think you get a good exposure to both of that in independent wrestling uh, I'm not saying on top of. I won't say on top of televised wrestling because when you have a weekly product, and sometimes multiple times in a week that you can watch a product, you're going to get more of the story than you are going to get with a with a company that might run once a month or once every other month, and and be able to uh, envelop that a little bit easier. But you might get more of an athletic contest. I mean, WWE athletes are like Olympic caliber athletes in the way they train and work out and the way they're ready for television. But you're seeing some ama- some amazing things that you aren't going to see on television on the independent wrestling scene. Yes, there's envelopes that are pushed on television, but these are people who are trying to earn that opportunity to push the envelopes on television. So they're pushing envelopes right now in independent wrestling, and that needs to be seen more.
0: What moment in your your wrestling career are you the proudest of?
1: Ooh, that's that's deep. <laughs> that's a deep cut. It, it's weird how the landscape has changed regarding doing promos for example because in 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 my wrestling life and it used to i mean if you think about just how we have such easy more easily accessible technology to us right now that you know cell phones really didn't have good cameras until maybe 10 years ago 12 years ago ish i guess now and so you know there really wasn't that accessibility to like just turn your phone on yourself and cut a promo and so uh, I knew in like 2005 ish, I think I had my own camcorder so I could record promos. But that was then only sometimes when you con- could convince a promoter to let you do one. So at one point I was just creating cr- content to just create content. And about probably 12 years ago or so, um, I started with this company in North Carolina and I reached out to the promoter and I was like, do you mind if I cut a promo and of course like I'll let you prove it and everything they're like oh yeah sure go for it but it was like such an aside like it wasn't like ah, we want you to it was like ah, yeah if you want to go ahead and I cut it and it made me sort of open up this new door for myself in wrestling because I really didn't have a lot of anybody driving hey do promos we want you to do promos and so it really allowed me to truly find my voice uh and that was my first real exposure so i was sort of really proud of in in a way of myself because i found oh this is how you talk um in wrestling and this is how you this is how people get to see more of you and how people like really pay attention to what's happening right now and i'm 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 happy with myself on a few of the promos that i've put together and 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 develop and you know i've i've touched i put my hand in on some like cinematic wrestling stuff uh, especially during the pandemic and and more vignettes and story stuff. And I'm really happy that I got involved with, with some of those things. Even recently, like right before Christmas, I worked with Matt Mikowski and, and we put together this a diehard Christmas trios. So like this little, so it was sort of this skit that was put together between a wrestling event and I helped to put that together. And I don't know, it allowed this other avenue of creativity and I was really happy and proud to be able to do that. But at the same time, I look at a company like Wrestling Revolver that I helped to build and I look at the success that we're, we're seeing now, and I'm like, this is what I love about wrestling, because now we've, we've taken the opportunity to actually build a thing and look at us building this thing. And isn't it cool? And isn't going to be cool when more people see it and get exposed to it? And, and we get to continue to build into whatever the next thing will be for it. And I always love that. And I'm really excited. I'm sort of excited then for what the next thing is going to be.
0: Could you talk about a day in the life behind the scenes in one of your authority roles, whether it include, just pick a company, for example, and maybe throw in what your travel is like and what you actually do when you get there behind the scenes backstage?
1: I'm like, how much of a curtain do I pull? Um, it does vary a little bit by company because, you know, when you have different sets of owners or singular owner, it's sort of up to their own company and how they want to run things. Think about, like, when you've had different jobs and, like, one thing you might do at one place is very different when you do it at the next place, and so it is. You know, first learning that, learning that landscape. Typically, um, behind the scenes, there is some kind of meeting to talk about the matches that are going to be happening that evening. There's some kind of meeting to talk about the production of things. How are things? How are we going to make things look or be? There is typically at any event I'm on. A lot of running to get things together. It, I mean, if you look at most companies, you know, we're, we're very fortunate, like at MCW Pro Wrestling, where we have our own venue. But even then, like that venue during the week is set up for trading, and there's typically two or three rings set up. And so when it gets uh, transferred uh, into an event space for uh, a night of wrestling on a, on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday, well, we're taking down two rings. We're now setting up chairs. We're setting up aisleways. We're setting up tables for autographs and merchandise and and we have to change that landscape but imagine then having to do that every single time you have an event at a venue that isn't yours and so you are running and gunning and going and setting up so there isn't sometimes a long time to do these meetings like production and let's talk about booking and let's talk about these things that's all happening even before we've gotten to the event sometimes and so now it's like okay we just got to do this we just got to go we just got to get ready we just got to do the thing and at the same time for me who's also then involved in front of the camera, what am I doing and trying to figure that out as well. So as much as I'm part of that decision making process, I'm also having to then figure out how I'm doing, what I'm doing, what I'm gonna look like you know all that all that kind of stuff and how I'm gonna show up and present to everybody too. And there's a lot of there's a lot of catching up. I mean the people that you work with again, think of any workplace that you're in. There's people that you like. There's people that you don't like. There's people you want to go over to and say hi and good morning and how are you and what's going on. Then there's people you want to go around the other way. And so, like, it's it's very much like that in the world of wrestling too. It's like, okay, like let's associate, let's hang out. Like, hey, what's going on? How you know? How's this? We talked about this last time. I haven't seen you in a month or two months. What's going on here now? And it's a little bit of that catch up too on on a personal side too. And so there's a lot of like moving parts that happen behind an event. Um, to make sure just everything, everything is done. Oh, yeah, on, on top of all of that, making sure, oh, have, are we making money? Are, are we doing the right things that give us a good um, proposition to be stood up in front of fans, for fans to want to really sink their teeth into this event we're giving them, and to then also giving them a reason to come back the next time, um, and the next time after that, and to think forward a few events to, like, how are we going to get there and be good at how we're doing it? it takes it takes a really really strong intention to to do that so again it's a lot of conversation it's a lot of moving parts to really just get things done um but for the people who are behind the scenes in the world of professional wrestling like wh- their night doesn't end after just one match and that is n- definitely not taking away anything from any talent that's in the ring but you know uh, uh, the the camera guy's aren't getting a break. Like some of your events have one referee. Look at who's doing security. If there is any look at who's manning the merch tables, look at who's um, just running things behind the scenes. Look at who's cutting your promos and, and it's, and, and getting wrestlers together to try to cut promos sometimes is like hurting live cats. And so it takes a lot of effort and they're doing that the entire night. And so people don't sometimes see that there is this other work that's, that's getting done at the same time. Hit a few personal questions right now. What's your favorite food? <laughs> okay, I, you know, I it has to be pizza. Like, it just has to be. Wh- whenever I've gotten a new job, whenever I've moved someplace, I'm like, I have to find the pizza place. I have to try it. How is it going to be? I will go out of my way to find a new pizza place. And I'm like, I don't even think that is my favorite food, but that is my favorite go-to food. I'm trying to think of my favorite food. My favorite food is honestly probably chicken and dumplings.
0: That's a good one. Okay, what is your
1: favorite drink? Ooh, that's a good one P- pib extra used to be mr pib now it's you know they've now changed their name they're pib extra i'm a, i'm a huge mark for that it kills my stomach every time uh because of my stomach issue i ha- that i have um I, I shouldn't really be having soda but man that's good <laughs> okay and your favorite band or musician Ooh, i okay i, I am really bad with that to be honest um I'm, I'm that person like I turn on the radio and if it's music i, I find that has a good beat I just listen and I, and I of, like of course I know like bigger artists but like I couldn't tell you sometimes like what they've sung unless they're like super iconic and and so like I really don't think I have a favorite artist but I'll rotate genres of music all the time I'll listen to rap rap and rock and pop and country and and top 40 and I just I'll just keep rotating uh, I yeah. Uh, I even think like there's a there's this a couple interesting like hard rock and alt rock and alt X channels that are out there that like might even have just a super small radius uh, that they air on and I'm like I love it every time I get a chance to turn to it I turn to it. And what is your favorite vacation spot? Orlando, Florida. Uh, I am such a mark for uh, Universal Orlando. I love it, and uh, and specifically for Halloween horror nights. Um, They do such an amazing job because they're they're not just replicating like, oh, they're not just making a haunted house. Oh, they have the rights to use like Chucky and make a Chucky themed haunted house. Like my, my favorite one that they've ever did. They did a Freddy versus Jason haunted house. And that was just amazing. And so, like, they do really amazing things at Universal, and so I really, really enjoy going. Like, when I know, like, okay, I just need to take that vacation. I just need to go somewhere where, like, there's nobody else with me. I'm going to Universal Studios, <laughs> um, and of course, that's that's the side of like when I go visit family and stuff. And I have a lot of family out in the Midwest, like in like in Indiana, for example, that I love to go see, and I love to go out there, and I don't get enough chances to go do that. But beyond that, yeah, Orlando, Universal.
0: Okay, and then one more personal question. What was the last book you read? Oh,
1: what did I read last? I feel like I've been reading like s- snippets of books lately. I feel bad because I have a coworker and now I can't. Uh, I have a coworker who wrote a book and I haven't read the book. I haven't finished reading the book. I've only read like a couple chapters. It's called The City of Good Death. And it's so enriching and so detailed, and it's just an amazing book, but I haven't finished it yet. Um, before that, I read The um, Ballad of Songbird and- Songbirds and Snakes, which is like the prequel to The Hunger Games, and that was pretty good. I- and I even think that book was a little better than, than The Hunger Games series, to be honest. <laughs>
0: Now we'll give you a chance to promote
1: any upcoming wrestling shows that you're a part of. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat because I have to write them down because I forget things. <laughs> um, I'm like if I don't look at it, I know I, I will forget one. So on I'm like what month are we at? Um, so on the 25th of February we have MCW in Perrysville, Maryland. On March 4th it's Wrestling Revolver in Clive, Iowa. On March 11th it's MCW in in Joppa, Maryland. On March 12th it's honorary wrestling federation up in Lewistown, Pennsylvania, Uh, March 18th, it's high tension wrestling in Pennsylvania. Uh, And so like the next month for me um, is like, go, go, go. So starting next week for like a month straight, I have at least one event every weekend. Uh, Like last night I was at voltage wrestling up in Pennsylvania. I'm not able to make their, their event next month on, on uh, March 16th, which is a Thursday night. But uh, this, the rest of this weekend I'm off, which I'm like, I'm already stir crazy. I don't know what to do with myself. And so, Starting next weekend, though, that changes, and my weekends are gone again, which is awesome.
0: Run down all of your personal social media handles and any other place online you are that you want to let people know about.
1: Well, I make it really easy. All of my social media is at TrustInPhil. So if you look at me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Snapchat, on, on uh, I think I said Instagram, on Hive even, you can find me at TrustInPhil, even though I haven't update my updated my Hive since that seemed to have died off pretty quick
0: back to business a little bit who are the the top up-and-coming wrestlers across all the companies you're working with now that you see as having a bright
1: future Ooh, ooh, that's that's a really good one and you know you're probably going to get me in trouble for some of them Um, um interestingly enough i work a lot of places where there's not a lot of crossover right now so like in like at mcw you know you you have such a deep talent pool um and we have a great wrestling school with with mcw so like i look at a miami mike walker and i'm like he's he's gonna do something i can look at like a steven fuerte and be like okay he's building to something he's not there yet and that's more of like what i look for i always look for the people who have like how much more potential do you have to give and you have and you also at, at mcw have the guys like like joe keys and a dante caballero who have been there who have had that opportunity to uh uh do the ROH dojo um, and now like okay people know them and they've networked well so are they next also to be looked at by more people so it like that is such an interesting pool of talent that is out of MCW um, I look at Re- Revolver and so many of it's hard with Revolver would to say like who would I pick because so much of that that roster is already signed with either Impact or AEW. And so if I pull if I pull out like okay the not signed folks so that way I won't get myself in that much trouble I look at a JT Dunn JT Dunn to me is literally the best unsigned talent in the world today like there's there's just no rhyme or reason in my brain um, for why he is not signed somewhere I look at then I look at a guy like um, a Damian Chambers who his name isn't known yet by a lot of people other than the people at Revolver who want to throttle him. And I think he's only going to continue to build. He has a million dollar look. He needs time to percolate and he's going to be that guy. And he has the backing of Sammy Callahan and the training of Sammy Callahan. And so he's going to become also that dangerous as he continues to develop more and more and more. I was going to say Ninja Mac, but Ninja Mac's actually signed out with Noah. Um, and every time I see Ninja Mac, he's gotten better. And, and that's scary. Like if you already see, and if you've ever had the opportunity to see Ninja Mac, like, you know, just how, uh what, it, how intense he can be, you know, the level of his aerial offense, but he just keeps getting better and better and better. And one of the last people I used to say, like every time I see that person, they get better was Trey Miguel. And now look at Trey Miguel, who is currently the X division champion at impact. And and Trey, when I remember when I first saw him at rockstar pro wrestling in, in Dayton, Ohio, I was like, Oh yeah, he's good. And then I saw him a few months later. I'm like, Oh wow, he's gotten better, and I saw him a few months later. Oh wow, he's gotten better, and and even to this day, every time I see Trey Miguel, he's gotten better. Ace Austin is another one of those guys too, but again, but he's also signed with Impact and goes to do Japan, he, and he's you know now one of the Bullet Clubs. So it's hard for me to be like, look at this guy who's up and coming because he's he's there, he's there and doing it right now, which is just awesome. I, I, I like, uh, there's so much so much great talent out there. Like right right now, like another national company could open up and run. I don't even know what night is open anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. They'll have a 10 p.m. program after NXT, and there would be enough good talent to to be on there too. And that could be a Jay Fowler from Iowa. That could be a, a the Carter of Colors, uh, the the Carver of Cutters Alley. That could be a Sage Phillips from from Indiana. There is just such a deep pool of additional talent that's out there that like, I really, really, really want to see get more of that exposure and more of those looks. Um, The main event is a tag team from from Pittsburgh that like, I am trying so hard for people to, to that I work with to like, look at these guys. Because you're not go- it's not going to be long before you see them on television regularly. And so, like, I want them to get more expo- exposure. And specifically, the main event tag team that's out of Pittsburgh, because there's like five main event tag teams. Um, so uh, those guys, yeah, there's just a lot of great, great talent that's really out there and 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 circulating and percolating. Um, Gia Scott at MCW is another one who I think is going to be um, coming up very, very quick and very, very soon. Billy Starks um just turned 18 is on her way to her second tour of japan at just turning 18 she hasn't even she doesn't graduate high school for a couple more months she is going to be signed um there there is not a doubt in my mind on that anymore because she's already put in the work and, and I, I hear people who like vent like oh this 18 year old girl it's like yeah because she's good, because she's gone through it already for the last three, four years of, of driving roads and putting in the work. She didn't just come out at the age of 18 and be like, look at me, I'm a wrestler. She's been wrestling for years already. Um, and she has just gained that much capability.
0: And I know, I think there's a deep talent pool and a really strong independent wrestling scene just in this region, in the DMV region, to get back to my website.
1: And I mean, I mentioned Killian McMurphy and the goons and like, can you think of anybody more controversial than Killian McMurphy in this area? I mean, he's, the, he's somebody that makes a lot of people, you either love Killian McMurphy or you just want to like choke him, like just barehandedly, like kill him. <laughs> um, that, and that's the reaction he gives you. And it's amazing.
0: Thanks to Phil Stamper for being a great guest today on Belts, Bumps, and Barbed Wire. Please join us next time for another great guest on this podcast. Our credits are, executive producer is Scott English. You too can become an executive producer with your donation. Please see our website for more details. Our production assistant is Josie Quentin. The host is me, Jeff Quentin. We'll have another great episode very soon. Thanks for joining us.